What up, world? Your pass first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every day. Free on all platforms, five, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine and listen every day as your first, your very first listen. Today's show, Blazers get walloped by the Spurs. Walloped, like beat down, walloped. Uh, good loss, need to lose, game they absolutely need to lose. But it leaves me with this in this weird place where the tanking losses are just not useful talent evaluators. I want to talk about that in the show. And then Sweet 16, we're back here, NCAA Tournament weekend, the second weekend of the tournament. Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. Uh, looking ahead to Thursday's games, a little bit on Friday's games. Who to watch in the Sweet 16? That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, it's time. That's right. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose bad 133 96 they gave up 45 points in the first quarter we're down 18 after one uh Dejounte Murray had his way in this one and we should have known when he hit three straight threes to close the quarter uh the Blazers changed up the starting lineup a little bit in this one Brandon Williams did not start Chris Dunn got the start in his place they rolled out with Dunn CJ Ellaby Justice Winslow Trina Watford and Drew Eubanks but Justice Winslow only played seven minutes left in the middle of the second quarter what the Blazers called left calf tightness justice Winslow wouldn't help the Blazers were still just getting <laughs> getting shellacked Spurs made 13 of the first 23 pointers led 81 53 at the break DeJounte Murray all-star point guard for the Spurs 20 points five boards seven assists on seven of seven shooting in the first half missed one free throw that was it seven of seven from deep three of or seven of seven from the field three of three from deep seven of eight from the free throw line balling that was a first half work it was 18 minutes of work for Jante Murray uh Blazers did not ever really make it competitive they were down 114.81 after three and they lose 133.96 uh 12 full minutes of garbage time as portland scored just 15 points in the fourth quarter uh, that's your fastest recap in the West. This was a good old-fashioned 7 nothing win, which uh, is from the old CBA days when you got a point for winning every quarter and then three points for winning the game. The Spurs, they won every single corner, seven, quarter, 7-zip. Seven uh, Shout-out to former CBA coach, Continental Basketball Association coach Terry Stotts, who taught me that one. A 7-0 win for the Spurs. Uh, Blazers were led by Ben McLemore, 23 points on 7-9 shooting off the bench. Drew Eubanks, 20 points, 9 boards, Four assists in against his former team. Uh, let me share a little moment that I liked from you. So Drew Eubanks was hyped up to play in this one for sure. Like you could just tell by his demeanor, he was like, "This is his former team, the only team he's ever played for in the league." Um, his first chance to kind of play against his former teammates. You know, show show them what they lost by tra- trading him to the Raptors or whatever. Uh, but but just you know, you always get hyped up to play for a team. It matters, even if you left on good terms. Uh, there was a moment there in the uh, in the second quarter when there was a uh, a foul called, and Drew Eubanks got the rebound off at, when the foul was called, and he was holding it in his hand, uh, holding the ball in his hand, and Dejounte Murray kind of like reached to slap the ball out of his hand, and uh, and Drew Eubanks like grabbed it away really quickly and scowled at him and was all mean, and Murray kind of like knocked it out of his hand, and and uh, they like had this moment, and then Murray just started cracking up, and and Drew Eubanks tried to be tough for a second, like nah, dog, nah, 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 and then he started laughing too because he realized that uh, maybe he was a little too keyed up in this one, but I thought I thought Eubanks played well. Um, 
Blazers got 10 points from Trenton Watford and 10 from Elijah Hughes, seven and four, a career high 14 rebounds from Greg Brown. Uh, Brandon Williams struggled in this one, seven points, three of 13 from the floor, oh, five from three. And Keon Johnson, eight points on four of 13 shooting for the Blazers. Justice Winslow scoreless in his seven minutes. Uh, Spurs side, like I said, DeJounte Murray got whatever he wanted, finished with 28, six and seven. Keldon Johnson added 26. Keldon Johnson's nickname, one of the most underrated nicknames in the NBA, Big Body. Keldon Big. Big Body Johnson. Sounds like an old school wrestler. Uh, maybe a nickname people not enough people appreciate. Shout out to Keldon Johnson. Uh, Josh Richardson, 15 off the bench for the Spurs. Devin Vassell, 16. Jakob Pertl, 16 and 9. And Zach Collins making his his uh, return to the Moda Center. I was going to say his re-debut, but that's not what that is. Uh, his return to the Moda Center. Checked in with 4 minutes and 41 seconds left in the first quarter to a light ovation. Like, pretty good. Light ovation for, for Zach Collins. It wasn't like the Blazers were already kind of in the midst of getting blown out. Uh, and Zach came in, it, you know, like when you come in the middle of, of a quarter, it's, you don't really, it, you don't get the juice than if he would have, if he'd been like announced in starting lineups or if he'd come in, the Blazers were bringing in subs too. So it was like, he didn't have that sort of moments, but he got a, a pretty nice ovation. And if nothing else, uh, I watched Zach Collins, you know, go up to all his old homies, to 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 Dame and to Nurk and to, I, uh, I believe he hugs uh, Brooke Olsendam, Blazer Sideline reporter, former guest on the show, uh, during one of the breaks. I know that there was, you know, some behind-the-scenes people that listeners aren't familiar with that Zach Collins paid paid his respects to and gave, uh, you know, gave big hugs to on the as he came back. So it was good to have Zach back in the building and Z, and Zebo or Zico as he probably should be called. Eight points, nine boards, three assists. Uh, Zach Collins is like a fine backup big. That that's what he is. That's what he's turned into. He's like a serviceable backup big. Uh, and, and I think in his return, he was a serviceable backup big, nothing special. There's not, there's not, I don't have like too many takeaways on like the actual performance of this game, quite frankly. Um, it was fine. I think, I think the Blazers played fine and, and like, because they needed to lose. Right. And this team's not very good. So like, I'm not going to, hey, I'm not going to bang on them for playing poorly. That's what they did. They played poorly. My, my, like my real takeaway is that in this environment, like, I know I'm saying fine when they lost by 37. It, it just doesn't matter. The games don't matter. It's like, the results don't matter. But this environment, it's just not very good for evaluating guys. It's not. They, they've created the situation where, you know, maybe Trendon Watford is an opening night rotation player. Maybe. Uh, and probably Justice Winslow is an opening night rotation player. But no guarantee for either of those guys. I think it's very reasonable that the Blazers would add someone else who plays over them. Uh, I think Justice Winslow can play. I like Trendon Watford straight up. But, like... Those are back half of the rotation guys. So they're playing basically two dudes and and uh, and Justice played seven minutes who are going to be involved next year. You know, Brendan Williams is a nice player. He's on a two-way contract. Drew Eubanks is on his third 10-day. Chris, Chris Dunn's on a two-way. Like, CJ Elby's going to be a free agent. Greg Brown and and Keon Johnson are, are developmental, you know, developmental pieces. So it's just... They're just they're just in the situation where it's they're playing a bunch of guys who aren't part of the plan, and then it's hard to evaluate them because of the level of talent they have. So I want to talk about sort of the environment that tanking has created for the Blazers. I'm not anti-tanking. I think it's like fine in general. The way I think it's fine that they lost by 37. I don't care. Like it's they did great, but I think just like earnestly they that it is hard to know what 
what to make of this team. And I want to talk about sort of where I find myself trying to make sense of this Blazer team as I watch these games. But first, I want to tell you about NBA Top Shot, the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. You can connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. This is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like, and it's part trading cards. But unlike trading cards, these aren't still images on cardboard. These are officially licensed NFTs of the greatest moments in NBA history. They're akin to the stock market for the NBA. Every day, millions of dollars worth of NFTs are traded back and forth between tens of thousands of NBA fans around the world. And it's like fantasy sports in that every night you have the ability to capitalize in the market if you're able to predict top performers. So you might hear people ask all the time, why would I buy a highlight when I can watch it on YouTube forever for free? It's not just about watching the highlight. It's about having an ownership stake and what's akin to a stock market for the NBA's greatest highlights. So if someone were to tell you back in 1916 that a piece of cardboard with Babe Ruth's face on it would be worth millions one day, everyone would think you're crazy. But this is just the opening tip of the digital age. And the NBA's officially licensed NFTs will be a big part of that digital age. Imagine when NFTs are mainstream and they're on social media and you'll be able to flex what you own around the world instantly. No binders, no shoe boxes. If you sign up for Top Shot today, the best way to start is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull an NFT superstar of, of a superstar like LeBron James or Kevin Durant or rookies like Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Scotty Barnes. Those cost you nine bucks. And if you didn't pull your favorite player from the starter pack, you can snag moments from the marketplace that appeal to you. So check it out. Go to nbatopshot.com and find and get started building your future collection. Today's show is also brought to you by Truebill. You know that free trials, why free trials renew without your consent? Because it's a business scam and they're out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill.com to take control of your subscriptions. It's the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, you don't need, or you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. You're paying for a service. It's either going to be one tap or it's going to be zero taps because you have paid someone to do it for you. So don't fall for those subscription scams. Start scans canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA can save you thousands a year. All right. So we talked about the Blazers big loss and boy, howdy did they get walloped. Now let's talk about the environment that this team in this situation has created. Because it certainly has created an interesting, bizarro environment. I, I think there's no way to, to call it any other way. Like, the Blazers lost by 37, and I'm cool with that. Like I, I said in the first segment, it's fine, and they played fine. And I really do believe that. They played fine. Who cares? The, the games don't matter. They needed to lose to the Spurs. They went out and lost to the Spurs. They're playing basically no one who's going to be involved in the future... You know, like I said, Trent Watford and, and Justice Winslow, p potentially one of them. Like, you're probably choosing between the two of them on opening night who plays. Um, that would be my guess if they're both on the roster. You, but very unlikely or re relatively unlikely that both of them play. I think that's I think that's a safe bet um, for on night one and certainly part of the plan on night one. So it's you've you're in this situation where you're not watching guys who are going to be part of the plan and you're just not watching many guys play the roles they want to play. Like I, I mentioned this in a previous episode about Trent Watford. It's like, 
he's not going to take 19 shots. He's not going to have the ball in his hands as much. Like eventually he's, he's maybe going to run dribble handoffs and with guys who can shoot and have the ball in his hands a little bit more, but he's not like you have to really squint and think about what Trent Watford when Dame is back and Ant is back and Josh Hart is back and Nurk is back and whoever they get in free agency is back and, you know, and, and uh, other people are just soaking up more possessions. Like a low usage Trent Watford has to be a shooter. He has to have a jump shot just because of the way he's going to fit into an NBA offense. Uh, he doesn't need to be a lights out shooter, but he has to be someone who willingly shoots jumpers. And, so, like, you can squint and see it with Trent Watford. And I think this sort of ecosystem of tanking, which, again, I don't care about the losses. I think this is good sound strategy by the Blazers. But in terms of, like, me eval- trying to evaluate it from press row, it, like, I can see what Brandon Williams is fine. But he gets the ball in his hands all the time. And they just don't really run stuff. And he gets to dribble down and run a pick and roll. And if it doesn't work, dribble some more and, and get into, get in, you know, beat his man off the dribble and go to work. Uh, you know, works for Drew Eubanks because he's a garbage guy. Like, he's getting rebounds and he's playing hard and setting screens rolling to the rim when he gets opportunities he shoots a pretty little jump hook he's got a nice looking jump hook i think drew eubanks is like a third maybe backup center on a on a on an okay team like he's he's proven that he's like probably right at the fringe of the nba and can be and can be helpful if he has a limited role i i like drew eubanks um i've enjoyed the drew the the uh, shack of troutdale experience but when i'm watching on press row like i'm i'm kind of screaming to myself free key on not really like because, but I, I would like to see Keon Johnson play 36 minutes, but here's the sort of conundrum of the bad environment of tanking is like, I don't need to see any more Ben McLemore. I don't need to see any more. I've seen enough Ben McLemore. When Ben McLemore gets invited to a, a, a team next year, he'll be able to shoot. He's a professional. He'll be, he does what he does. Like he does what he does. I don't need to see any more Ben McLemore. I don't need 20 minutes of Ben McLemore. But if you just give those minutes to Keon Johnson, right? Like if you just give them to Keon Johnson, they're not necessarily super beneficial because Keon would be best served to be a two guard with a high level playmaking point guard next to him. So he could cut into space. He could get into his little isolation. They could run nice stuff for him and he could have simple reads because that's what Keon needs right now. One one read and go. He's really special sometimes with the ball in his hands. You see these, these bursts of athleticism that it's like, Oh, no one else is doing that. Like he's, he can, he really explodes, particularly with the ball in his hands when he has like a direct rim drive. Like it's like, okay, he, nobody else is doing that. Or like, oh, that's what makes him special. It very obviously stands out, but there's too many reads for him right now. Too much decision-making and the Blazers are so light on shooting that there's no space for him to attack. And they're just so ragged on offense that the reps that Keon Johnson are, is getting are just not valuable. And I've, I feel the same way about Greg Brown too. Like I'd like to see Greg Brown play in an offense with uh, where he's the four and can run pick and rolls with a competent playmaking point guard who can shoot a little bit. Brennan Williams, not exactly that. And Chris Dunn's lack of shooting makes the, the whole pick and roll spacing a little bit weird. I, it's not, you know, it is what it is. Like they've, they've built a roster that's not very good. It's not very good on purpose, all these things. But they have, it's like, even if you just were to, you know, free Keon and like play him 35 minutes, the reps aren't super valuable. And they're not super valuable for just both for his development. I'm not a big believer that you need to play NBA minutes to be NBA ready. I think you can develop your skills behind the scenes and be dropped into it. And if your skills are ready, you'll be ready. Um, I think playing NBA minutes helps you get feel, helps you get confidence, and those things help you. But in terms of skill development, I think you develop skills away from the game, away from the court. And then when you are put on the court, you show your skills. I, I, I pretty wholeheartedly believe that. Um, not that NBA, NBA minutes are bad, just that like, this is the, the way it works is 
is more about your, you know, you, you get the confidence from the work you've put in and then you get the feel from playing in the games. Uh, so like he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily need to play, but this time of year, why not play Keon? But the, why not play Keon? Like, I understand why Chauncey Billups doesn't, he makes a lot of mistakes and Chauncey's like still has, it has a coach in him and doesn't want to watch guys go out there and make mistakes. But even if, even if they yank Ben McLemore from the rotation and commit to the tons of Keon Johnson and tons of Greg Brown men to play those guys 32, 34, 35 minutes a night, they're just not in an ecosystem that is going to complement their skills and get them useful, meaningful reps in a way that they'll be used in the future. Keon Johnson isn't going to isolate six times on the right wing and go to work. He needs two or three touches to isolate. He needs some spot-up catch-and-shoot opportunities that he can tack a closeout when it happens, and he needs to run you know, five, six pick and rolls like that. And then he needs to be a cutter when the offense, when someone else is, is creating an advantage with the ball. He doesn't have those opportunities because nobody's creating advantage. The spacing isn't there for him. All those things. Same with Greg Brown. Like it's the, he doesn't have an opportunity to use his athletic gifts. He plays hard. He, you know, grabbed a whole bunch of rebounds and showed off how bouncy he is, but none of these minutes are valuable. And in addition to that, the whole sort of bad environment, bad ecosystem for, for talent evaluation. I have no clue if Chauncey Billups is a good coach or not. I have no, no clue. I know at the beginning of the year, I was not super impressed with him, but Damon Lord was hurt. That's an incomplete. It's a talent league. The most important thing a coach has is talented players. He did not have his best player. Uh, Dame just wasn't himself. That's, that's a free pass. Quite frankly, like maybe you're not giving it to him, but I am. I'm giving Chauncey a pass for that. This is Dame wasn't himself. That's that. But then they, you know, they they make some trades, they re- they rebuild the roster, they retool things, and then they had a week before they shut Nurk down and before they shut Ant down. And that week they looked pretty good. Four games looked pretty good. <laughs> February 9th to February 16th, I believe. Uh but I don't know if that was four games where they played a little bit above their head or four games where this is proof of concept, Chauncey's got it and all those things. I have no idea. And this tanking environment doesn't allow Chauncey to run creative things because guys just don't, you know, you're you're bringing in a bunch of new guys and guys haven't played together. It's hard to have build continuity. It's hard to build that sort of trust and continuity you need to be on to like mask a good defense. The signs of a good coach are guys run stuff sharp stuff hard uh they're creative out of timeouts and and dudes play hard every night if you're committed to playing hard and you run the plan and the plan is um somewhat sensible and you come out of timeouts and generate good looks that's the sign of a good coach when you have a moment to coach in a timeout you draw up a good play you put the right guys on the floor and they play hard for you phillips just doesn't have that opportunity to show that he doesn't he hasn't had a he hasn't had a chance to show that that is in the arsenal and that's all the things like you, doesn't matter what happens in the last 11 games. We're not going to, we're not, there's nothing that's, or 10 games now. It's like, we, we, Chauncey Bills is going to get it incomplete. It doesn't matter what happens in the last 10 games. We're just not in a good environment to judge the young guys at the end of the bench, like Greg Brown and, and, and Keon Johnson. We're just, it's just a, the tanking has created a bad environment for Italian evaluation. So you know what? I'm moving my talent evaluation down a rung and I'm watching the NCAA tournament. That's what I'm going to do uh, this weekend. The Sweet 16 starts Thursday. There's four games on Thursday. Let's let's talk about it. Uh, who am I going to be watching uh, when these games start on Thursday? That's what we'll do to close out the show. But first, I want to tell you about betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You want to fade the Blazers? Lost by 37 tonight. They were only 12 and a half point dogs coming in. That was on BetOnline's line. 
to begin the game. Could have won a little bit of money fading the Blazers, but they also, if you don't want to bet against your team, they got lines and props and odds on everything everything you can imagine. Pro hoops, hockey, soccer, tennis, combat sports. You can even play your favorite Vegas casino games. Whatever it is, you're going to find out Bet Online. So check it out now. That's Bet Online, where the games start. Still a pass for his point guard. Still, Mike Richmond, you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked Blazers loss. We talked the sort of strange world of evaluating. I'm sitting on press row trying to figure it out. I'm trying to like, okay, what are we watching? How can I explain it and synthesize it and make, not only just make a good show, make sense of it for my brain. Like I'm trying to, I want to do this for y'all, right? Like I've said this before. I want the show to be good because I, you, you listen to it. You spend time out of your day. I want to bring you something that I'm proud of and that I like and that I would want to listen to quite frankly. I'm having trouble watching the Blazers and pulling away meaningful information in this ecosystem just all the way around. Um, I'll be there. I'll still be watching. I'll be watching for those little Jante Murray, uh, Drew Eubanks moments, but I'm having trouble finding like a good evaluate, like good minutes to actually evaluate things. So you know what I'm doing? I'm moving my evaluation to the college ranks. Uh, The Sweet 16 begins... This week, uh, this is Thursday, March 24th show. The uh, second weekend of the men's NCAA tournament begins Thursday. Friday is the second four games. Then we've got the Elite Eight Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the first week in the NCAA tournament rocks. We're getting down to where there's just less games. It's a little bit less fun. But you end up with getting some good matchups. There were some... Uh, the Elite Eight will give us better matchups probably than the Sweet 16 because upsets and things kind of settle, but I'm not going to be watching for the games. I'm going to be watching for the pros. Uh, I'm going to be watching for future pros. I'm not a big college basketball guy. Uh, and I, I want to say this as a caveat. I do not think watching three college basketball games or watching a guy play three college basketball games gives you a meaningful sense of who they are as a player. Trust people who've watched a, you know, many, 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 many more hours than you. But it's fun and it's a good way to get a sense. Like you're not going to be like, oh, I know this for certain. But you can say, I saw him do a couple things. I like this. Like you can form, you can form opinions. You're just like for me, I'm forming opinions more than I'm forming like a true scout. I think that's that's the caveat I want to I, I want to um, throw out there. So the first game of the day on Thursday is going to be Gonzaga versus Arkansas. Obviously, Chad Holmgren. I did a whole show on Chad Holmgren uh, yesterday's show in your feed with Andy Patton, the host of Locked On Zags. Uh, we talked all about Chad. I'm definitely going to watch him. Uh, I think Andrew Nemard, uh, Zags point guard, is probably a second round guy. I think Drew Timmy, uh, the the Zags best player is probably a second round guy. I'm not sure Arkansas has a pro Jalen Williams. Their big guy's probably a second rounder, uh, fringe second rounder. Uh, but, but any chance you get to watch Chet is worth the, the sort of fascinating experience of watching Chet. I highly recommend it. A uh, second game is Michigan Villanova. I'm not sure that there's a pro in this, in this game. Uh, there might be Colin Gillespie, you know, Villanova has churned out pros. So I don't want to be like Colin Gillespie's no good. Maybe he's Jalen Brunson, right? Like a really darn solid pro. He's a, a guard who can shoot it, shooting over 40% from three this year. Uh, I have not seen Villanova play. I, like I have not, I have not caught one of their games. I maybe saw the last three minutes of a game, but last weekend, but I haven't like actually watched a whole game from them. But uh, you know, second, second game of the day, I'll get my eyeballs on Colin Gillespie. Uh, third game of the day is Texas Tech versus Duke. Uh, Duke is just loaded with pros. Uh, I did a whole show last week with uh, Candace Cooper of Locked On ACC. And we talked about all those shows. Palo Bencaro, 
I think he's really intriguing. Uh, power forward who can shoot and pass and handle. Um, he's he's going to be a top three pick. Um, he could slide to four, I guess, in some world, but he's going to be a top five pick for certain. Top four pick for certain. He's very good. Um, AJ Griffin, shooter from Duke, six six shooter. I. I think he's going to be a really solid pro. Get your eyeballs on Asia Griffin if you haven't watched him and Duke play. And big man Mark Williams uh, is is a player. Uh, Duke probably has two other pros. Trevor Keels is like a defensive wing who I think will play in the NBA. Uh, and Wendell Moore is maybe a pro guard. I, I'm a little skeptical of him as a pro, but they've got four NBA players, maybe five on the roster. Watch Duke if you haven't. Um, and, you know, root against them because I'm a Tar Heel. <laughs> sure. But like they're, they're worth watching just for, for um, scouting purposes. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure Texas Tech has, has pros. Like I, I, I'm not sure they have pros on, on, on the team, but there's, they are from what I've read. It just, it absolutely sort of defensive, just madhouse. Right. And I want to see a high level defensive team play against Duke's pros. I think that's, that's super interesting to scout and the late game Houston versus Arizona. I, I think this is going to be a really fantastic game, two really good college basketball teams. And Ben Matherin, uh, is just so fun. Uh, the other guy in Arizona you want to watch is Christian Coloco, the big guy. Um, I only I haven't watched much Arizona this year. The little bit I saw of him, I watched their game against TCU. Fantastic, great college basketball game. I didn't love his game, his performance in that game. Uh, I thought he was, you know, he had a huge dunk at the end of the game that like sealed it, helped seal it for him. Um, and he had some nice moments, but I wasn't super. Um, I didn't come away super super impressed. I I know other people did. A couple of friends of mine were like, "I love this Coloco kid from Arizona. The Blazers should get him." So your mileage may vary. For me, like, like I said, one game, not a professional scout, just forming opinions. Didn't love him, um, but I'm gonna watch Coloco again. I'm gonna be get. I'm gonna get excited, you know, to watch and do my sort of fake couch scout with these guys. My couch form opinions with with these guys. Uh, Coloco's a guy you gotta get your eyeballs on. And and then the person I think straight up do, do, do watch is Ben Matherin. Pac-12 player of the year. Um, he was fantastic. Sunday night uh, as, as Arizona beat TCU, he was great. He was the best player on the court. Um, shot, hit big shots off the dribble from the outside, drove to the rim, got fouled, made plays off the bounce. Like he's a pro. That dude is a professional. Ben Matherin is, um, if the Blazers were to get sort of like, if the Blazers were to... I. I formed these opinions kind of just like a little bit willy-nilly, but I kind of felt this way about Sadiq Bey when I started to do draft research a couple of years ago on, on, on Villanova, uh, at the time Villanova forward Sadiq Bey. It's like, he can really shoot, he's the right size, and he does a little stuff off the bounce. I kind of feel like Ben Matherin is the supercharged version of Bay. Bay is a really darn good pro. Matherin's not as big, like he's just not as bulky and large. Um, so it's that that's they're not like it's not a perfect comparison. Like Bay is like three four, and Matherin's probably like a two three. Uh, both of them could play in the wing though, and but Matherin just like the the physical tools and the shooting and the shooting off the dribble, like he looks like a pro. If you have not got your eyeballs on Arizona's Ben Matherin, absolutely do that. Uh, we'll talk about tomorrow's show. We'll talk about Friday's games. Uh, that's well, the Friday morning show. We'll talk about Friday's games, previewing those games, but those are four games to get your eyeballs on. If you haven't seen Ben, ben Matherin, it's Ben Dick Matherin uh, from Arizona. Like, Watch him, watch him. Let's talk soon about him. We'll get, uh, we'll get, uh, we'll get some uh, Arizona people on the podcast to talk about him because he's he's 
I'm I'm getting excited about him. Like I I legitimately am excited about him. I think I think he can be a a ball player. So that is today's show. Uh, tomorrow's show is going to be a we'll talk a little about Sweet Sixteen stuff and we'll do a mailbag. So come back for that one. Get your questions in at Mike G Rich on Twitter and Locked On Blazers Pod at gmail.com. It's five days a week, free on all platforms, coming at you every single weekday. So make this podcast your first listen and tell your friends to do the same. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.